Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hello, welcome to Hollywood Crime Scene. This is Rachel Fisher. Hi, this is Desi Jettikin. And we're going to start off thanking the people who subscribe to our Patreon. What is new on Patreon this week, Desi? We have a new mystery macabre, right? Desi, yeah, we did a new mystery macabre episode that is at the $10 tier. And we also did a new bonus episode at the $5 tier, which is all about Halloween stuff. Oh, the Halloween stories and crimes. crimes and events. And the mystery is also sort of getting us ready for Halloween. It is haunted house focused. So and some very spooky stories about America's most haunted houses. Yeah, it was a good episode. So, and there's other stuff too. You have access to everything that we've ever done immediately. Right. So um, it's a good deal. It's a very good deal. And thank you for supporting the show. Yes. So let's thank the people who are subscribing now. We have Kristen, Lee, Melissa, Lori, Tiki, LB, Madeline, Claire, Amy, Denise, Amari, Stephanie, Thrifter, Thrifter Junker Vintage, um, Kirsty, Laura, Sue, Kira, Linda, Candice, Brooke, Grace, Kendall, Sarah, Tammy, Heather, Michael, Bianca, Mandy, Hannah, another Hannah, Heather, Ian, Camille, Molly, Adeline, Jennifer, K Candy, Baby Kin, T, Caitlin, Lauren, Rebecca, and Whitney. Thank you we'll very stop much. There. Thank you. Well, Desi and listeners, this is the first year in probably six years, I'm just guesstimating, that we will not be doing horror movie versus reality for the month of October unless a fair deal is reached ASAP. Yeah. AMPTP, give SAG a fair deal. And then we can continue talking about film and television on this podcast and uh, actors are fairly compensated, which is more important than this podcast. Uh, Yeah. So, (laughs) or, you know, they're both important. They're both, (laughs) look, they're both important in different ways, but we are going to be still doing a Halloween forward October. So don't fear. Or do fear. Or do fear. Be afraid of all the ghosts and goblins we're going to be talking Mm. about. What are we doing today? Well, we are doing Haunted Los Angeles today. Now, in the past, back in the early days of Hollywood Crime Scene, we did an episode or two for our Patreon called Haunted Hollywood. And we discussed various haunted locations in Hollywood, like 
the Comedy Store, the Roosevelt Hotel, all sort of the most famous haunted locations in Hollywood. This week, we're going to be discussing some additional haunted locations in Los Angeles, not just in Hollywood, but across this county. Mm -hmm. And we're going to begin with Grauman's Chinese Theater. This is a very famous location in Los Angeles. Yes. On Hollywood Boulevard, one of the worst places on earth. That location. Hollywood Boulevard, I think, is one of the worst locations on <laughs> earth. Well, especially that strip. It's of, terrible. Yeah. But Grauman's Chinese Theater is a legendary theater. And it's said to be haunted, much like every other landmark in Los Angeles, I think. Of course. Now, this story begins with the murder of a film and television actor who lived nearby the theater. Okay. On March 11th, 1979, the body of 88-year-old actor Victor Killian was found dead in his Hollywood apartment. He had been beaten to death. There was no sign of forced entry. Police believed, though, that the murder had been committed by burglars, as the apartment appeared to have been ransacked. At the time of the murder, Victor was sitting in his recliner watching TV and having a snack. The co- yeah. Could be us. <laughs> it could be us. So sad. The cause of death was cranial cerebral injury believed to have been caused with a blunt instrument. There was no murder weapon at the scene. Immediately following the discover of Victor's body, investigators wondered if this murder was connected to another murder that had occurred less than a week prior. Another actor, 84-year-old Charles Wagenheim, like Victor, Charles had a prolific film and television career that spanned decades. And in an eerie coincidence, these two actors had recently filmed an episode of television together. Whoa. Charles was also found beaten to death inside his Hollywood apartment. His wife, who was disabled, was home at the time <sighs> of the attack and had been under the care oh. of a nurse. Now, Charles's wife, Lillian, was unable to speak because she had suffered a stroke. This is horrible. It's really awful. So she was unable to sound any kind of alarm. Right. And this happened while she was home. Lillian's nurse said that she had gone out to the laundry room when the murder occurred and that when she returned, she discovered Charles's body lying face down on the bedroom floor. Charles had injuries to his head caused by a blunt instrument. Though the murders were similar in many regards, police soon discovered that they were not linked. For one, different murder weapons were used on the victims. The lead detective in Charles Wagenheim's murder? Steve Hodell. No. It's his father. (laughs) How much do you want to bet that that was his first thought? Just dad... Again, this better not be you. Now, there was a lot of like there was a suspect who was quickly arrested in Charles Wagenheim's murder. We're going to talk about that in a second. But I do have to believe, just knowing everything we know about Steve Hodel, that that thought first crossed his mind. Yeah, of course. Before the overwhelming evidence, yeah, suggested otherwise. Two months later, on May twenty fifth. 24-year-old Stephanie Boone was arrested for the murder of Charles Wagenheim. (gasps) Stephanie was the nurse. 
Oh. She was the one who was like, I went to the laundry room. When I came back, I found him dead. Okay. Well, she had been the nurse for Charles's wife for over almost a year. It was suspected that an argument occurred after Charles confronted Stephanie about her stealing checks from him. Oh. It was believed that she then struck Charles with a table leg. Stephanie wound up pleading guilty to voluntary manslaughter, and she was sentenced to six years in prison. Really? How was that manslaughter? It doesn't seem like a long time. No. The judge did add an extra two years to the sentence for a previous robbery conviction. So she was a repeat offender. Okay. I guess. Victor Killian's murder remains unsolved. So no one solved what happened to Victor. Was he robbed? They believe, well, police surmise that he was robbed because of the state of his apartment. Right. After they found him. But some people have speculated that because there was no sign of forced entry, it could have been maybe a date robbed him. Okay. Somebody that he picked up that night and was hanging out with. Right. And if they did rob him, it doesn't seem like he had a lot. Yeah. I mean, his apartment complex still stands, the the Lido apartment complex. Okay. So Victor's ghost is said to haunt the sidewalk outside of Grauman's Chinese Theater, where he is apparently searching for his killer. Ooh. The blog Memories of Hollywood believes that his ghost still hangs around the very apartment complex where he was murdered, which still stands today at 6500 Yucca Street. So it's literally like around the corner yeah. from Grauman's? it's super close. And so some people say he's like paces around the sidewalk outside of Grauman's or does the walk from his apartment to Grauman's, like makes a loop. I like that he's like, I got to haunt something better than the Lido Apartments. Yeah. I need like an iconic landmark. <laughs> I'm just going to do the- <laughs> That's honestly a good idea. I would not want to just haunt an apartment. I want to get like a cool place. Yeah, you got to get the iconic Grauman's Chinese Theater with the big ass pagoda out front. Or like a theater because you want to scare theater kids because they're going to be super dramatic about whatever you do. Yeah, and like me, they're going (laughs) to believe in ghosts because they're drama queens. So maybe also it's a very highly trafficked area. So maybe he can get some like... He's getting his steps in. He's getting, <laughs> he's getting his steps in. Grauman's Chinese Theater is apparently a hot spot for ghosts. It stood on Hollywood Boulevard for nearly a century, so that's not unusual that there's probably some ghost activity there. A lot of... If it's an old place, it has ghosts. Right. I mean, because too many things have happened there. Right. Yeah. I always like when it's like a new place that has ghosts. I think that's really fascinating to me, like the haunted Toys R Us in the Bay Area. Yes, I agree. I like that too. It it's almost seems more creepy because it's kind of like unexpected. And you kind of are like, it's probably a more recent death or something. Right, it's fresh. Yeah. So there's apparently a ghost at the theater named Fritz. <gasps> No relation to James Fritz, friend of the pod. Oh. But Fritz is said to have been an employee of the theater who hanged himself behind a movie screen. Ooh. Now, I couldn't find anything in the newspaper articles about this employee. Yeah. There's got to be one person out there 
who just decides to say something like, yeah, that sounds like a ghost that would haunt the theater and just makes this up out of thin air about. Yeah. I'm always curious how things start. Like who was the first person to say this? Right. And I did, I did go down sort of a rabbit hole looking into were there any violent incidents or murders at Grauman's Chinese Theater, and I couldn't find anything in nearly 100 years of newspaper really? articles. That's wild, because there's just so much um, activity around there and tourists, you know what I mean? I mean, that's not to say that obviously violent incidents have occurred around the theater, but in the theater specifically. Right. I was looking for that, and I, and I couldn't find that. Our next location is the Pasadena Playhouse. Ooh. This legendary playhouse has been putting on live theater productions since 1917. The theater's founder, Gilmore Brown, died in 1960, but his ghost remains inside the walls of the playhouse. In 2010, the LA Times did a piece about the hauntings at the theater and included some really good background about the founder. My favorite tidbit was that Gilmore Brown used to bring his cat to the theater to watch rehearsals. (gasps) Imagine a cat judging you. And it did, because he would decide if the performance needed work based on whether or not his cat sat through the whole performance. Like, if his cat turned his back (laughs) on the actors, he'd be like, this needs work. I'm just picturing the cat riveted. Yeah. Because you know that expression when a cat's really watching something. Yeah, Or when you catch a cat watching whatever you're watching on TV. They're into it. It's always hilarious. No, there are certain TV shows that my cat's are definitely more invested in. Yeah. So I think this is honestly a good barometer. I think so too. I think it makes sense. In the late 80s, one graduate from the Playhouse School was building a set late at night. He was carrying the heavy set piece he claimed and he claimed to have felt it being lifted up as if someone was like helping him carry it. So it's a friendly ghost. This is a friendly ghost at the Pasadena Playhouse Theater. He just loves theater. This ghost the founder, he's dedicated to theater. He loved it. He sta- he hung out at this theater like his whole life. Yeah, he's not leaving. He's not leaving. And he's going to help the cast and crew of the production with stuff. Yeah, he's like, oh, just let me do it. Just let me pick this up for you. <laughs> the Playhouse's archivist, Ellen Bailey, said that while production was working on the set for a play a table fell over and the drawer in the table slid out and out fell photos of Gilmore Brown. (gasps) And everyone thought that was really eerie. Yeah, Brown's presence doesn't seem to be malicious. He just likes hanging around the place he founded and loves so much. There's also an elevator that's said to stop at his office on the third floor, even though no one presses the third floor button. Like it'll, the elevator doors will open and let someone right. off, let a ghost off, and then close. <gasps> it's him getting on and off. He's going to his office. So don't be afraid to go see the productions at the Pasadena Playhouse because this ghost is friendly. Yes. And will probably not haunt you watching a show because it's clearly a theater ghost. Yeah. It's, it's Gilmore Brown. He respects the theater. He would never interrupt a performance. He would never... Like, he's on Patti Lapone's side. He is stringent about respecting <laughs> But the maybe theater. if you do something disrespectful, he might turn your phone off. If Lauren or... Boebert 
<laughs> makes a trip to this theater, he's going to raise hell. He's going to make her so creeped out she leaves. Willingly. Yeah. She leaves voluntarily this time because she's Absolutely. terrified. We're going to take a quick break here. We'll be right back. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. I'm the queen of starting a free trial offer and forgetting to cancel it, oftentimes being charged for months for something I'm not even using. If I asked you how many subscriptions you have, would you be able to list all of them and how much you're paying? If you would have asked me this question before I started using Rocket Money, I would have said yes, but let me tell you, I would have been so wrong. I can't believe how many I had and all the money I was wasting. With Rocket Money, I can see all of my subscriptions in one place, and if I see something I don't want, I can cancel it with a tap. I never have to get on the phone with customer service. They'll even try to get you a refund for the last couple of months of wasted money and negotiate to lower your bills for you by up to 20%. All you have to do is take a picture of your bill, and Rocket Money takes care of the rest. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over 500 million in canceled subscriptions. It's definitely saved me money, and now I can use that money to waste on things I do want. So stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash Hollywood Crime Scene. That's rocketmoney.com slash Hollywood Crime Scene. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. I've had a really stressful year with work and family stuff, and I know I'm not alone when I say I tend to push that stress down in order to get what I need done, done, and that only makes things worse. We all carry around different stressors, big and small. When we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. In the past, therapy has helped me navigate many situations from helping me to set boundaries to just becoming the best version of myself. If you are thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. I love that it's entirely online, so it's convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. You just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapist anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash HCS today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash HCS. Are you ready for a wild restaurant story? Yes. The Spanish Kitchen. Oh. This restaurant on Beverly Boulevard opened in the 1930s and was popular amongst several stars, including Lionel Barrymore, Buster Keaton, and Mary Pickford. They served Mexican food, and apparently the enchiladas were really good. Okay. And then while I was researching this, I read this interesting piece, I think it was in Curb Delay, about 
the racist origins of why so many Mexican restaurants sort of were calling themselves Spanish Spanish restaurants. Oh, interesting. And I thought that was like in, yeah, in the when early you said days. That, I was like Spanish restaurant. No. Um, yeah, I mean that's that's for another episode. I think would be interesting yeah. to sort of talk about. Um, I don't know in in a, in a restaurant episode about Los Angeles, yes. but I did. That was an interesting tidbit I read. So this place was a Mexican restaurant, but like a lot of Mexican restaurants in early Los Angeles, they were called Spanish restaurants. Okay. So these enchiladas were good. And this restaurant remained popular for decades until one day in 1961, the restaurant abruptly closed. (sighs) A sign on the door read, closed for vacation. For nearly 30 years, the chairs would remain inverted on top of the tables, salt shakers and folded napkins out, and clean plates stacked on a nearby counter. The restaurant looked as if service might resume at any moment, but it never did. Ooh. And so began an urban legend about what happened to the Spanish kitchen, specifically to its owners, husband and wife, Johnny and Pearl Corretto, who lived in the apartment upstairs. In 1979, the LA Times posted an article, printed, they didn't post back then, they printed an article about the bizarre frozen in time restaurant. They said, Ready for diners, never opens. A postal worker was quoted as saying, it's been that way for as long as I've been on this route. There's ghosts in there, you know. It's probably real dusty. It got real dusty. This this was like a walking past a diorama or yeah. something. It's kind of like the pictures you see of the Los Feliz murder house. It's very similar to that. Yeah, where it's just stayed that way for so many years. Right, but this is somehow even wilder because it's a place of business. And it's also crazy to think about just real estate in Los Angeles today, like how something would just sit unoccupied for that long. I just feel like wouldn't happen today. On Beverly Boulevard? Yeah. No, it's wild. Yeah, it was unoccupied for actually over 30 years. Wow. This was, I said nearly, it's, it was over 30 years. So a po- the postal workers, like, there's definitely ghosts in there. Rumors amongst the locals swirled, including that co-owner Johnny Coretto was gunned down in a mob hit. Different versions of the murdered husband story persisted over many years. But the reality was much simpler, though still really sad. Johnny was diagnosed with Parkinson's disease in 1961, and that's why they closed up this restaurant, so his wife could take care of him. Johnny died at a sanitarium in 1967, and Pearl Coretto remained a recluse. Over the years, Pearl had been approached several times about selling the property, but she declined. Because she lived in the apartment, right? There was some apartment units upstairs, and she lived in one of the apartment units. But she kept she kept the deed on, like she kept this restaurant, right? She just never reopened it. Yeah. So this furniture store owner on the same block who lived next door to Pearl, his name is Max Brobrowski. He told the LA Times 
She is a white-haired old lady, and she lives up there all by herself. Her skin looks like that of somebody who hasn't been out in the sun for years. That's me. (laughs) It's kind of mean. He could have phrased that a little more delicately. Right, because that's like definitely an insult, because saying she just never leaves the house. Have you seen this broad skin? Yeah, but I mean, her skin probably did look great. Mm. The same, this same neighbor said that one day Pearl complained to him that she could hear noises from downstairs in the restaurant. When he suggested that maybe the door was broken and he could help fix it, she snapped, no, 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 I don't want anyone going in there. Aww. A woman named Mrs. Bentz, who volunteered at a thrift store on the block, told the Times that somebody brings Pearl food every day. All we see is a hand at the door, she said. Ooh. These neighbors are all so nosy. <laughs> this is the nosiest block in Los Angeles. I'm just like, they're all, they're like, talk to me. I've seen things. The Times interviewed like 10 different people on this block and they were like, oh yeah. And not only that, but we have people coming into our store asking about what the fuck is going on with the Spanish kitchen. Wait, where is this? It's on Beverly Boulevard in... It's 7373 Beverly Boulevard. Okay. So it's WeHo. Oh, okay. It's, hold so on. So prime let me, location. Let me get an exact cross street for you. Okay. It's Beverly and Martell. Okay. So, yeah. I mean, there's a lot of stuff there. Petty Cash Taqueria is across the Yum. street. And Modernica Showroom. Is there? Uh, I want. I feel like having um, tacos. Yeah, taco would be really good right now. Oh, there's a place called Burger. She wrote down what? the block. <laughs> there's a place <laughs> called Burger. She wrote. Um, anyway, let me let me continue this. Okay. So this is a nosy ass block. Just five years later, LA Weekly declared the Spanish Kitchen was LA's best haunted restaurant. Wow. Even though you can't go in there. Yeah, it's not but, operational. But they're but. like, this is the, you know, LA Weekly, they did those little like top yeah. listicles. Yes. In that little blurb about the place, it said that people have seen a ghostly figure wearing a wearing gauzy white dresses in the window. Not gauzy white dresses. It's always a gauzy white dress. <laughs> that Also, I was hoping it was the husband and maybe that's why she was so protective of the space. Do you know what I mean? Oh, that the husband was haunting? The husband was the ghost, and that's why she wants to keep everything, and that's why she's always there. Personally, I think whoever wrote this little blurb at LA Weekly was just conflating an old woman who could be sometimes seen in the window being a recluse with somebody seeing a ghost. Yeah. Pearl's grandson was quoted in the San Pedro News Pilot saying that everyone's been hounding my grandma and making up rumors about her for years yeah. to like get some information on what what's going on with the Spanish kitchen. He said, my grandmother is very much alive. She's an avid Dodgers fan. If there's ever a baseball game on, she watches it. In 1989, the LA Times did a follow-up piece about the restaurant. By this time, a window had been broken and boarded over. The chandeliers were enveloped in a thick blanket of cobwebs, and the paintings on the wall were faded. Graffiti and movie posters decorated the exterior, and the neon sign bearing the name Spanish Kitchen had broken. Local historian Rick Rosen told the Times, The building sits there like a ghost of human tragedy. 
He also added that he hoped the restaurant would not be restored as it would, quote, lose the poignant reason that makes it so interesting. It's a personal heartache that's displayed publicly, a moment in time that has been captured. Every time I pass it, I'm glad it's still there. Oh, I agree. I kind of agree with Rick Rosen. That is so um, sad. Isn't that really sad? Yeah, and it seems wrong to touch it. There's more. Okay. At the time this 1989 article came out, Pearl Coretto was still alive, but she had moved out of the apartment above the restaurant because it had been vandalized and she was afraid. Right. Pearl continued paying taxes on the property every year despite it never reopening. Brian Brobrowski, the son of the furniture shop owner, he said he supported whatever Pearl wanted to do with the place. If she wanted it to fall apart and sit unused, that was her choice. A reporter for the Times named Michael Szymanski managed to find and talk to Pearl. She spoke to him through the bars of the window of her new apartment. She spoke briefly about her life and about how sad it is that everyone gets divorced nowadays, but didn't give any bombshell explanation as to why she had kept her restaurant frozen in time for 28 years. I keep getting the amount of years. Look, it was around 30 years. <laughs> I guess at the time of this article, right. 89. Yeah. It uh, closed in 67. No, it closed in 61. Oh, it did? The husband died in 67. Oh, he died in 67. It closed in 61. Okay, 28 years this article. Okay. She said in 1989, I don't want to be pestered anymore. There's no mystery in that place. I'd just as soon bulldoze it down and be done with it. The building was finally put up for sale in the 90s, over 30 years after it closed. Businessman Ron Mavadat purchased the place with the intent on restoring the Spanish kitchen and turning it into a restaurant slash piano bar. But nothing ever became of this. In the 2000s, it became Privé Salon. <laughs> Do you remember Privé? Yes. That's I, so funny. This is where Privé Salon was. Ugh. The, wow. <laughs> I'm just mad that it got taken, you know. I know. I, I Not kind that it of say that way, but I do wish it was like I know Rick Rosen wanted it to be cobwebs forever, but if it was gonna be purchased after she died or whatever, right. or after she sold it, I do wish that it could have been restored to something the cool. Spanish kitchen yeah. or something like that. So it became Privé Salon and the apartments upstairs became Ona Spa. And they kept the neon Spanish kitchen sign, but they covered up the niche part. So it said Ona Spa. No. They used, <laughs> it looked so shitty. I saw a picture of it. It why looked Why would awful. you do that? <laughs> why would you do that? I don't know why they did this, Desi. Because you had to make the Ona, just get a spa. The Ona and the spa. Spanish kitchen font did not match at all. I mean, there is also something very hilarious about doing that. Like, I don't want to pay for the spa letters. I'm just going to use what's here on the building. I feel like there's a way to do that where it would be cool, but not for own a spa. I'm sorry. (laughs) Also, spas don't typically have neon signs. No. Right? Like... Co-owner of the salon and spa, Fabian Duforg, told the LA Times in... 2009, that she didn't believe the building was haunted, but her husband did. 
However, that changed when she had her own supernatural experience on a sweltering August day at the salon. She said, it was very hot, but it felt like my legs were freezing. Mm. The salon's manager, Lane Lenhart, claimed that lights would turn on and off by themselves. Fabian, the owner, also claimed that the ghost was coming after her mother-in-law. So she brought in a psychic from Arizona to assess the situation. You couldn't find one here? I'm, <laughs> I need more information about why this woman hired an Arizona psychic as opposed what to... What if it was Allison Dubrow? <gasps> Dubrow? Who is Dubrow? That? She's that famous psychic. Oh, is she from Arizona? Yes. Okay. <laughs> the psychic said that there were at least five different ghosts haunting this property. Ooh. After the salon closed, it became the site of Barry's boot camp headquarters. <laughs> I'm sorry. This is so disrespectful. It's so, I don't know why. Um, but now the property appears to be sold, but it's really, I don't think it's being used for anything. Oh. The building's original Spanish architecture remains intact, nice. but the Spanish kitchen sign is gone. Mm, I want it. Where is the Spanish kitchen sign? Who has that? Someone must have it. They have to have it. I'm really curious about what's going to be there. Yeah, me too. Because the Barry's Boot Camp headquarters, I don't think they actually had Barry's Boot Camp there. I just, it said HQ. That was like an office. So it's like their business center. Remember yeah. Barry's Boot Camp? Of course I do. <laughs> of Did course. you ever go? No, but all my gay friends went and still go. Yeah, it was so popular. My gay friends from WeHo. I'm not getting up at 6.30. (laughs) I actually almost got roped in by one of my friends to go to Barry's boot camp. It was so early. I mean, maybe they had later classes, but I was just like, I can't. No, it was just always like 6.30 a.m. It felt like. Um, Do do you have pictures of the um, cobweb? Restaurant? I do. Okay. I have newspaper pictures okay. uh, of the restaurant intact, like what yeah, it looked like. I want to see that. And I will post a picture of Ona Spa as yeah. well in our, on our Instagram. We got to see that. We got to see that. And our final haunted location is actually a street corner. Ooh. It's the Beverly Hills Bermuda Triangle. <gasps> I don't know it. Now, this is not to be confused with the West Hollywood Norma Triangle, which is on on the border of Beverly Hills. Okay. This is in Beverly, Beverly Hills proper. Just below Sunset, there's a little strip of land where Linden Drive and Whittier Drive meet, known as the Beverly Hills Bermuda Triangle. And this site is believed to be cursed. Ooh. Since the 1940s, a series of accidents and events have occurred at or very close to this intersection. The first was in 1946 when Howard Hughes crashed his plane at the intersection. The LA Times headline from July 8, 1946 read, Howard Hughes near death after plane hits four houses. Oh, I think I, I've read about this. This guy's such an asshole for this. He's, he crashed a lot of planes. Yeah. He had a few. He's like the old Harrison Ford. Except he's not as cool as Harrison Ford. The Times said the Hughes plane, quote, tore more than half of the roof from a two-story dwelling at 803 North Linden Drive, occupied by Dr. Jules Zimmerman, a dentist. 
Simultaneously, the plane's right wing sliced through the upstairs bedroom of the home next door. The plane continued on its path of destruction, hitting a garage of a third home and then plowing through some poplar trees before finally bursting into flames at a fourth home. Mm. Hughes survived. I think I remember now why I know about this because it was in the Ava Gardner episodes. Right. Because they were friends or dating or off and on. Right. And it was, yeah. He was injured and taken to the hospital. The following year, in 1947, Bugsy Siegel was gunned down at his girlfriend's house across the street from the intersection. Whoa. Or in the vicinity. Yeah. So they it's count that. It's in the that. triangle. It's in the triangle. <laughs> it's in the... Um, the destruction path of the triangle. Yeah, and there's like a little... It vibes out a bit. It's a, <laughs> it, it has a force field that vibes out. In 1966, Jan Barry of the group Jan and Dean mm. got into a brutal car accident at the site, leaving him with serious injuries. He was in a coma for several months following the crash. Whoa. And he was like left partially with partial paralysis. Oh, no. And like brain injury. And most recently, in 2010, the intersection was the site of Hollywood publicist Ronnie Chasen's <gasps> murder. No. Yes. Okay. I know this intersection now, and it is a bad intersection. Just, you know how Beverly Hills has a lot of crazy um, intersections? What were they thinking? Do you know what I mean? Yes. Like, it's difficult to drive around there. I hate it. Do you um, want to know what is so crazy about Beverly Hills is when all of a sudden it's like little Santa Monica. Yes. yes. Like why did, why? Like that seems like a mistake was made. No, it's really difficult to drive if you're not regularly in that area. You know what I'm sure? I'm sure you get used to it, but whenever I go there, I'm like, wait, where am I right now? There's a, I'm on a back street. <laughs> no, there's, there's a lot happening on the streets of Beverly Hills where you're just like, who planned this? This yeah. is not good city planning. No, it's terrible. It's terrible. But yeah. yeah, that's so crazy. I mean, so, we have to do that story sometime probably. We will definitely do the Ronnie Chasen story. Now, according to LAGhost.com, psychics have, this is what they say, psychics have visited the area and found that there's a lot of negative energy around the spot. Mm. They have also stated that there's a lot of despair and pain. The area reeks with suffering. <laughs> <laughs> Probably because of the, all the parking permits. You can't park there without a parking permit. Look, I bet you Los Angeles has the most haunted intersections of anywhere in the world. Because <laughs> there's several I can think of oh, that seem haunted or have extremely bad vibes. Like San Vicente? Anything related. Anything related to San Vicente has like haunted vibes. Just saying there's so many like left where you can't even turn left. Like those intersections where it's impossible and you're just like sitting there forever. But I do think a lot of them are in Beverly Hills. Yeah, no, that area is the worst. No, I lived in an apartment on the Beverly Hills side of Doheny, like right, like right next to the Norma Triangle. It is true. There is zero parking in Beverly Hills. And I could not park. My little Hyundai Elantra got so many fucking tickets all the time because like my parking permit would expire or like... Street cleaning. Yeah. No, it's ridiculous. That's probably like 90% of why I never go there. It was a nightmare. It is like going to another planet when you go to Beverly it's Hills. It's definitely very, uh, don't come here. They don't want us there. Yeah. <laughs> I think. 
The LA Ghost blurb continues. It says, it is said that walking in this space gives you a sense of anger or sadness. Mm. People who go to this place may also feel confused. Again, this is because of the streets. Because <laughs> they're looking at the parking signs. And they're like, they're what like, wait, what? Not on Thursday, but on Tuesday it's okay? Like, But on Thursday between 2.55 p.m. and 3.01 p.m. I can park here. But there's a new sign two feet away that's completely different. And there's also a construction. Yeah, there's a construction always construction sign. there. There's, there's always construction there. The Yeah, the apartment complex that never was that... Like the three years I lived in that apartment, there was like, they were building a luxury apartment complex or whatever, an unaffordable apartment complex next door. And it was construction from the day I moved in to the day I moved out. That whole street is full of those um, orange plastic barrier things. Yeah. (laughs) With like cement. (laughs) I do wonder, I do think it was the triangle because it was like in that area. It might have been at the triangle where I snapped at someone while I was on my bike. See, it had some bad energy. It was fueling through you. (laughs) I think that that's what happened. It was the energy. Somebody tried to like, um, some man, he was trying to like give me tips about riding a bike. And I was a very like experienced cyclist. Yeah. No, it's just And I was not having it. Not now. I was like, please. Someone wrote us an email asking us if we did a Hollywood tour. And I really feel like we have to figure something out. Wait, if the two of us had our own tour? Yeah. I think that would be so fun. Yeah, that but would that be But that would fun. be hard to figure out probably. Well, I'm we not driving, but... Well, no, we'd have to hire a bus. We need to hire a, <laughs> our own tour. We need like a bus. We need a sprinter van. But I'm not going to, ho- <laughs> I'm not going to downtown Hollywood. It's not going to be... Downtown Hollywood. Oh, downtown I'm Hollywood. I'm not going to Hollywood Boulevard. No. That's too haunted. It is? No, I just mean I hate it there. Oh, you hate it there? I fucking hate it. I was like, wait. Um, Well, no one wants to drive around there. Um, It is said that something about this place draws tragedy while others say it's just a free coincidence. I mean, yeah. It's hard to say. A lot of times it's like maybe it's just a bad intersection planning-wise. Yeah. That could explain the crashes. Honestly, not only are there haunted intersections in Los Angeles, there are a lot of haunted parking lots. Oh, yeah. Like the, I mean, the Silver Lake Trader Joe's parking lot is very cursed. Yes. I mean, almost every Trader Joe's parking uh, well, yeah. lot is cursed. That's, that's true. Every, for some reason, every Trader's, Trader Joe's parking lot is a nightmare. I also think the Beverly Center parking lot is really upsetting. Yeah. I mean, like I said, there's reasons I don't go to that area. It's difficult. I drive, but I don't like driving and I don't like suffering for parking. I feel like it should be easy and I don't like driving around looking for parking or any or having difficult intersections. It keeps me from going places. I don't want to deal with it. Right. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm sure Los Angeles, it's such a drive culture Anything related to that is probably very haunted. Because think of all the drivers that have passed before us in the in the in the many years of this city yes. since there's been cars that have had really bad moments on the road and we're just sucking up all their energy. I do think one thing the triangle has uh, I don't want to say going for it, 
but making it more than just an intersection is the fact that there are some non-traffic related incidents. Even though Ronnie was driving, that had nothing to do with um, what happened to her. It wasn't a car crash. It wasn't a car crash. And the Bugsy Siegel, he's in the um, vibe vicinity. And clearly, (laughs) he's in the vibe vicinity. And clearly Howard Hughes crashing his plane was was not a car-related incident. Right. So it doesn't have to do with the planning of the intersection. What an asshole. I just can't stop thinking about what an asshole that guy was. You can't just keep crashing planes into people's houses. In, into four different houses, <laughs> including a bedroom. The wing of the plane went into someone's bedroom. Fortunately, they weren't hurt. Right. And he obviously has money to throw at issues. Yeah. But then, obviously, that's no way to live. That's no way and to he live. Got, he got cursed from his bad behavior. And we will be doing a <laughs> multi-part episode about Howard Hughes in the future. That will be a long one. You can bet on it. It's just very daunting of a task. Yes, because we've definitely... He comes up a lot through he, he other does. stories. He's, much, he's always connected to something. Much like Ronald Reagan, <laughs> these two assholes come up all the time. Yeah, he's come up a bunch. Howard Hughes. Like. Yeah, yeah, because he's just always dicking he's in around. The mix. <laughs> He's dicking around, <laughs> fucking shit up, pissing in jars. Yeah. He get things get crazy for him. I mean, yeah. That's one of my like earliest remem- memories watching some, you know, whatever, something about paranormal or mysteries and seeing the drawings of him like as in what they thought he looked like while he was a recluse. <laughs> His yes, hair was all yes, like those those yes, pictures because yes. they're not obviously real ones, but they just have these drawings of him with the huge long beard and hair, just wearing like a uh, you know rag as underwear, yeah, but being cl- unclothed, like a rag diaper, <laughs> yeah. And it was just like, what? Who yeah. is this guy? <laughs> and you hear that he was like so rich, so it was like so confusing to me as a child, right? Like, no, he's rich. Why is he this way? Like, right. um, anyway, but yeah, I'm looking forward to that. Eventually. We're going to drag him. We're going to drag him for <laughs> filth. Howard Hughes, you're on notice, bitch. Yeah, you better watch out. <laughs> Hollywood Crime Scene Podcast is coming for you. <sighs> anyway, that's our haunted Los Angeles. I mean, that's just scratching the surface, really. Yeah, there's a lot more. There's a lot more where that came from. I'm going to look into some more haunted intersections and see if yeah, there's any. I bet there are. Even though I do feel like we could just come up with our own list. We- that's a bonus episode. That's a bonus Our episode. Own. Desi and Rachel's top 10 haunted intersections. AKA where I've fucked up the most. Yeah. <laughs> and can't deal with it. Definitely the intersection on in West LA uh, on off Wilshire. I don't remember the exact street it was. I'll have to ask my friend Keith where I fell off my bike while I was voguing on my bike. Oh, yeah. That's haunted that to me. That was obviously... A bad energy that came through. It was a bad energy. It was Keith, I'll never forget it. He was playing Madonna on his phone. Like he had attached his phone to his handlebars. And we were like at this intersection. And I was on my bike and I had one foot clipped in as we were waiting at this stoplight. And it was like peak traffic. And he's like, work. And we're just start like voguing on our bikes, like assholes. And then I something happened and I fell off my bike and I was, or I fell and my bike was, I was still clipped in, like partially clipped in. So the whole bike came down with me and there's like SUVs next to me. And then I 
finally scrambled up, managed to get up when the light turned green. We rode. And then literally like a block later, I fell again. <gasps> that but is a cursed block. All the same cars that oh were because it was high traffic time. So all the so, same cars so saw me. <laughs> that all the same cars saw me fall twice. And oh Keith is God. laughing hysterically. Like I'm not hurt, but he is laughing his ass off. <laughs> Because these people are like, what's her problem? Yeah, what is that person's <laughs> problem? So that block is cursed in West LA. Absolutely. Even if no other incidents have happened. <laughs> no. <laughs> A ghost pushed me off my bike. Uh, okay, great. Well, we're looking forward to seeing that haunted restaurant picture. Yeah. And, and the sign. And the sign. And whatever, whatever else you've got. I got some more pictures. Okay, so cool. we will post those on our Instagram and we will be back with our mini episode soon. very soon. Yeah. <laughs> Bye. Bye.